a spooky one at that. I know we have certainly gone past our typical Halloween timeline, but what do you expect from us at this point? Hello and welcome back to Tales in Our Times, your perennial parental podcast about penultimate... Who? Narratives. The P is silent in Rose. Pros, there you go. See, mum knows. Ooh. I'm George. I'm Janet. I was just making a Halloweeny noise. Halloween was actually yesterday, but like George said, we're taking our time. We got a little ghost in the background of the studio. It's all right. <laughs> yeah. Helps us keep the meeting notes. Yeah, keeps me on my toes. I'm keep moving around so I'm not near the ghost. How you doing, Mum? It's been a little while since we've recorded. It's been a little while, George. We did take a little break right there. I'm doing all right. Glad to hear it. It's getting a little chilly. It's getting to feel like, you know, it should be Halloween or something scary should happen. Well, not really, but I don't want to be scared. A chicken. <laughs> Everything scares me. A drop in the weather definitely scares me. Um, Pat, well, how was your... Halloween, did you have trick-or-treaters? We did. We had plenty of trick-or-treaters. Uh, we had to deal with the scariest thing of all, of course, which was working late. Um, oh. <laughs> I thought you were going to say children. <laughs> <laughs> also, ch children are quite frightening as well. You're not wrong there. Uh, but they were, you know, we uh, put a sign out and made some spaces for the cats to sit in the windows and... Uh, we all of the candy that we put out got taken and and we saw a few kids stop by to wave at the kids or at the well at the cats <laughs> at our kids. kids yeah um yeah yeah so you know as successful as it could have been with us uh chained to our desks Ugh. rattling our chains rattling like your chains that's halloweeny yeah halloweeny well Hall now that we're back in the what you said weenie. It sounded a bit... Wow. <laughs> Starting our second season off strong, the <laughs> comedic <laughs> effects are in full force and at full capacity. You can see we're running at 110% this fine reading day. You know, you can't have 110% because when you get to 100, that's it. That's all there is in percents. Just saying. So now you do a math podcast as well, is that it? Is it, it just is do... very irritating when people use hyperbole like that and it isn't accurate. It used to annoy the crap out of me when I was teaching. It math. still does, it seems like. Apparently. I never <laughs> realised it, but yeah, obviously it does. That's okay. I don't blame you. It is kind of annoying. Um, now that we're back, sort of, welcome to season two. Uh, we had a little bit of a hiatus just as we had some things going on in our personal lives. Uh, but now we're here with a new... I don't have a personal life. Maybe I was trying to use the royal <laughs> we, you know? Oh. Why don't you chill out? Right. Right. We're back here now, back in the studio, back in the saddle. Uh, Mom, why don't you lead us off on the reading check-in for today? What are you reading right now? Okay. So this is a tough one because I did have to... I pick some new things to read and um one of them is a book i actually got for christmas last year which i had by my bed and i haven't read um and it's called musicophilia by um oliver sacks 
may he rest in peace. Um, he's a writer, and it's not it, not so much a narrative, but um, I have read his book, uh, The Man Who Mistook His Wife for a Hat, about somebody who had like a brain condition, which meant that they perceive things differently. Um, but also, I, for some reason, became aware after that book, I started to become more aware of his life. And he's a, if you've never heard of him, you've never looked into him. He was a really interesting character. He had a really interesting life, a lot of it quite sad. But I believe when he got to the end of it, he died a couple of years ago, maybe three. He had actually found happiness and um, he mm. came from sort of like a traditional background and went on to become a doctor and, and fought with this strangely enough. And I start to feel like this is a bit of a focus that we have, but he, he did struggle with his sexuality and... Um, you know, but eventually, you know, found peace in a happy, loving relationship. And so you've got to applaud that, really. It's not always easy. I mean, yeah. It, I, you know, not to be too blunt or anything, but th those are stories that I pursue as someone who still struggles with my sexuality. You know? You know, sexuality. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, and in this is maybe the most English thing that's ever been said on this show. <laughs> so, um, so this book is uh, written about the power of music to reach people with acute conditions, specifically um, Parkinson's disease, um, mm. and also uh, looking at patients with uh, Alzheimer's and schizophrenia. Um, I don't know. If you know anything about him, he his some of his work inspired a movie with Robin Williams and Robert De Niro about a doctor who um, helped people come out of like these. And don't quote me on this, dear listener, because obviously we do like to remind you that we're not always factually correct. But I think it was yeah. Parkinson's. Don't just don't quote us, please. Yeah, it's not, sure. None, none of it's worth repeating. Unless it's something silly that we said, then you can quote away. But sure, you can quote yeah. our bits with freedom. There's no <laughs> nothing is funny enough that we've copyrighted it. That's true. Um, Yet well, I'm quite funny, but um, so. <laughs> There was a movie made and he discovered that um, if you use dopamine with patients who were sort of catatonic as a result, I think, of Parkinson's disease, that that would bring them out of themselves. Unfortunately, the um, results were only temporary and the body adjusts and then the effects go back to what they were, which is, is quite sad. But that, that film was inspired by work that he'd actually done. Um, What's that called again? I can't remember what it was called. I think it was. Oh. I know it's sorry. It's shy, isn't it? But um, I I forgot about it when I was gonna use this. It's okay. Awakenings. I think it was called the Awakenings. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. But anyway. Awakenings. So he he discovered that, and he was renowned for his sort of like alternative approach to working with patients. You know, he would always like you know, want to sit and talk with them. And, you know, he was uh, learning, uh, first practicing in sort of like the, I think the, as early as the 1960s. I might be wrong there. It might have been the 70s. But, um, and so that was still an era when uh, particularly um, any kind of institutional care was very uh, conservative. And, you know, you did what the doctor said. And if it didn't fall within the realms of what was being done at that time, then it must have been wrong. 
and he took a different mm. approach. And I think that that's his, um, you know, hopefully is what he'd be remembered for. And this book, like I say, talks about the use of music with patients who aren't necessarily being reached any other way. Did we say that? Uh, did I want to read the first line of this book? Yeah. I mean, I'm interested in it. What's the name? So you said this is, the book is about how music works with patients? It's, yeah, it's called Musicophilia, and it's Tales of Music in the Brain by Oliver Sacks. It was published. I mean, when, so I don't know if anybody's noticed out there in listening land, but we are, well, you'll notice that we are going to um, rein in our whole history thing that we did in the last season. And so I'm trying not to, but I am going to mention a date now. So this book was published in 2007 originally. Musicophilia by Oliver Sacks, talking about how music can reach patients. And the first chapter... I love chapter, that that was our... That's our reasoning for not doing histories anymore. It's like, I just hate the sound of years. Years. Yeah, they just like keep talking about bloody dates. coming yeah. on, don't they? But anyway. They don't stop coming. They don't R. stop So, chapter one is called A Bolt from the Blue, Sudden Musicophilia. And the first line is, Tony Sicoria was 42, very fit and robust, a former college football player who'd become a well-regarded orthopedic surgeon in a small city in upstate New York. Pardon me, New York. Not New, New York. York. New York. That's that's for any American listeners who wonder what it's like when English people do American accents. It's like that. New York. He was a orthopedic surgeon in New York. How's that sound? Terrible. It's like if <laughs> Matthew McConaughey grew up in a sewer in the Bronx. <laughs> oh, just like, nails he didn't that. quite get it, but it like drifted down on him. You know what I mean? It's like nails on a chalkboard, right? So that's the first line from no. this book. Like I say, if you don't know anything about Oliver Sacks, I would definitely look into him because he was a super interesting guy. He achieved some great things. Um, there was a documentary made right up until the time, I think like the day before he died, they were still filming this sort of um, documentary about his life where he talked about a lot of his experiences. Um so that's definitely worth a watch. I think I watched it on PBS or something, but I'm sure you can find it. And also The Man Who Mistook His Wife for a Hat was a great book also. Enough. Okay. So that's number one. Yeah, that's your that's your theory, as we call it. Yeah, you know, your yeah. Non-fiction. It's less of a, yeah, it's less of a narrative. The second one I have is one that I picked up in, a, I think, a second-hand store, actually. Um, it's called The Sentence is Death, which I thought fed into the whole... Oh. It's Halloween. Somebody's going to die. Quite spooky. Quite spooky. By, you know, a very well-renowned author, Anthony Horowitz. Oh, I've heard of that guy. Yeah. I, I think some people do have heard of him. Do have heard of him. Do have heard of him. Yeah. I just thought I'd, you know, put an extra word in there to make less sense. Um, I haven't started reading this one. And um, obviously, you know... Anybody who reads will have heard of Anthony Horowitz, whether you like him or don't like him. But, you know, he is a, a wordsmith, is all you can say, because he's written so many things. And he's even written some things that, you know, you might not want to talk about. But I know somebody 
who really loves the fact that he was a writer on the TV show Foils War. It was about a copper <laughs> and during and post-World War II. Anyway, so this is called The Sentence is Death. I haven't, I know that's as much as I know about it, so I'm not going to read anything except the first line, then George will go to you. How about that? Sounds great. Um, I am going to do the thing that I said I wasn't going to do. 2019, enough said. You monster. I know, bugger. Okay. Oh gosh, it's a long sentence. All right. Chapter one is called Scene 27. Usually, I enjoy visiting film sets. I love the excitement of seeing so many professional people working together at a cost of tens of thousands of pounds to create a vision that will have begun perhaps nine or ten months ago inside my head. That's pretty awesome. I mean, think about all the scenes that originate in your head. <laughs> I mean, that's I mean all of them, technically. <laughs> my life. Happened in my head first. <laughs> Jeez. You have so, yeah. to imagine it before it can be. For sure. Um, so those are my two books. I've got an Anthony Horowitz and then um, Oliver Sacks. I'm excited about both of them for different reasons. Oliver Sacks just because I was a bit, I guess, you know, for a sort of like medical professional who worked through um, decades when I was still a child and who was born in England and then came to the United States and everything. There's no reason, but I do feel like every time I come across something by him or about him, my, my heart sort of like, you know, swells a little bit. So yeah. I'm a bit you of know. a fan. I'm a bit of a fan. That, so. That's all it takes. I love yeah. that. I did. I had not heard of him before we talked about uh -huh. this just pre-recording. So I, I appreciate, you know, I appreciate you sharing it. I will check him out. Oh yeah. He's, and he's a great, He's a great writer, and um, and I think the reason that he did so much um, in his professional life was because he had a different way of looking at things, you know, and that's really appealing. Anyway, what are you reading, George? George, 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 George? I am... Can you calm it down, mate? Thanks. I know, we haven't I'm... been on for a while. I'm excited. <laughs> the energy is through the roof. Bouncing. I am likewise reading two books right now, one fiction, one nonfiction. My nonfiction is The Feminist Subversion of the Economy, Contributions for Life Against Capital, written by Amaya Perez Orozco and translated by Liz Mason Deese. It is deep. It is very deep. It took me like eleven days to Finish the introduction. <laughs> and that wasn't because it was long, I take it. Uh, no, it's pretty long, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it is sizable. But so it's a translation of a book that originally was written in like 2011. It was written like as a response to the 2008 financial crash. Ah. And this it, this is a translation from the original Spanish for, like, post-COVID. Um, you mean you didn't read it in Spanish? I didn't read it in Spanish. I wish I did, actually. But um, it's hard enough in English, to be honest. <laughs> uh, but it's very, you know, the thing is, is it's, 
it does make a lot of sense. It uses a lot of like what people call like an accessible language, you ah. know, like everything has to be multi-syllabic and because it, it's talking about like en encompassing many things. Yeah. You have to be very specific. So every word carries a lot of meaning. Um, but I, I struggle deeply with my relationship with capitalism. It's, it, it, you know, it is true. There is no ethical consumption and it is important to me to learn how to undo some of that in my head. And especially in regards to sexism, I, you know, I, I'm to this, you know, it's an everyday thing to unprogram the things you have in your mind. And one of the main things that this book is talking about, at least in the first chapter, I'm about halfway through, um, is about how housework is labor and, care is labor and you know like all of the things that are stereotypically put on women um or like even with the phrase it takes a village like that is sort of pre predicated on women yeah exactly <laughs> predicated on a bunch of women being around free to help you raise your baby um but and it also talks about just like the greater the re, the way that patriarchy like sits atop all of our problems as the the mindset. Um, anyway, I'm I'm learning a lot. I feel really excited to be understanding it. At first, I was definitely like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> It's but, too hard. Uh, I can't read this. It's too hard. <laughs> I have to stay sexist in my brain because I don't know what notes? all these words mean. <laughs> no, I refuse. I will struggle. Um, you can do it. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the first line out of the introduction just because it 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 made me it had me hooked. Very short. These pages emerge from feelings of unease and concern. Whoa. I mean, that that's kind of right to it. It's one of those... Right? Smack in there. No messing about. Well, and I also like that, you know, the, the cover art for this even features a chair being flipped over in, you know, overlaid uh, frames. And I, I, I think it is about overthrowing, you know, you're trying to... We're trying to get out of the dominant culture... But the reason that the book was written is because we're scared. We're living it. We're here, and it is actively not working. It is actively killing us. What do we do? Um, and that's kind of what the book is written in answer to. Um, so highly recommend. Go to a local anarchist bookshop and pick this up if you get the chance. Two things. Um, so I was talking to somebody at work today who was telling me about... Uh, do-it-yourself project that she had going on her house she said she's going to try and rope her son in to do it with her because her husband you know had to think about things for three days and and um she was like i'm not no i i need it done now i need i need it done so she so that's one thing about the labor of women just saying you know women just get on and do it and number two i mentioned to somebody recently about um the union activity that we've been seeing recently in this country, which, you know, as a person who's lived here for, what, nearly 30 years, um, 
I've never seen anything like it. I've been aware that there are unions, particularly, you know, in that northeast corner and everything. Um, but I've never really been aware of union act action. And that this person said to me, who is an American, said, um, well, we, we've always had unions. But I think and I don't I don't know this for a fact. So maybe somebody out there knows this probably better than me, um, that uh, similarly to the UK, like I say, I'm on sort of thin ice right now. But um, in the UK, in the late 1970s, early 1980s, Margaret Thatcher dis, um, dis, dissembled. Is that the right word? Yeah. Dissembled the uh, unions Broke in the up. UK. And, Dissolved. Um, Dissolved, maybe, broke up. I mean, you know, they they still have active unions in the UK and, and they do do a lot. But um, she reduced their power. and She busted them power. up. So yeah. the, um, I'm I'm thinking um, that uh, Ronald Reagan, actually, because they were like best mates, obviously. We oh, you mean that. the devil? Ronnie and Maggie, they're like best mates. Actual bands. Satan, Ronald Reagan. <laughs> um, that he did something similar. I'm not sure, but if they have, you know, historically have more union um, sway, if you like, in this country, which is now on the rise again, which is a great thing, um, whether or not that was the case, possibly, maybe, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, certainly, I mean, I think, wasn't, in 1981, wasn't there, there was like an air traffic controller strike. And I I think Reagan like crushed that. It was like 14,000 workers or something. Wow. Okay. I don't know. This, so, po <laughs> this podcast is just labor rights. It's always, it's all we talk about. And gay rights. It is a lot of what we read. Yeah, yeah. Labor rights and gay rights are Venn diagramic. All the things, all the rights. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, all the rights, because goodness knows. Because I'm always right. right now. <laughs> <That was a laughs> should be called Janet's Right Podcast. Um, what's your other book, George? Yeah. Moving on. Yeah, listeners, comment in and tell us about whether or not you'd listen to Janet talking about being right for thirty to forty minutes at a time. Uh, my other book is *The Last Graduate* by Naomi Novik. It is uh, book two or lesson two of the Scholomance series. It's basically like grim, dark magic school. Um, What's up? You look did we, so confused. Did you uh, mention the first one of these in another episode? Oh, okay. Nope. Well, probably. I probably mentioned Naomi Novik. Yeah, I think you did. Um, I really love, so uh, A Deadly Education was the first one. This one, the second one is The Last Graduate. Um, I also read Uprooted by her. I, I'm a big fan of the way she writes fantasy it's, I don't, I wouldn't characterize it as YA, but it, it's like quite digestible. Um, so actually, yeah, it probably is. It's like a little scary YA, you know? It's all right. There is good YA out there. It's fine. That's true. Yeah, no, it's not. I apologize. So it is a sequel. So I'm going to give you the first line, but it's probably not going to make a lot of sense. 
Uh, so I might, I might. Their first lines, they just mean whatever they mean. So this is a character's name at the end here. Keep far away from Orion Lake. So Orion Lake is a character, one of the main characters, um, the Goody Two-Shoes counterpart to our main character, uh, who is sort of the the most evil, evil witch that there ever was. I'm glad you clarified that because I thought it was a place. What, Orion Lake? Yeah, yeah. yeah. His last name is Lake, isn't it? It is. <laughs> but, but good line, though. Good, um, succinct opening. Yeah, it is a it is a message from the main character's mum, who is outside of the death trap school that our main character is living through right now, and it's unfortunately time. I don't want to spoil anything. It's unfortunately time because the main character and Orion Lake are finally friends. Like oh. after a first book of not oh, getting along, they've got they started to get along, uh, and now it's like, don't you talk to him? Oh. Anyway, so I'm excited for that one. I really like the way that, uh, like I said, Naimanovic writes really good magic and spells. Yeah, I I don't know. Oh, does she, she's does she write spells? That would be good. cool. Oh, I thought you were doing a spelling joke. No. I mean, I hope she's a good speller. She's probably got an editor anyway. Writers don't need to spell, I don't think. <laughs> As an editor, that hurts my feelings. You need to spell. Um, I mean, you know, but it, yeah, somebody's going to look it up. Anyway, so that's my second book. I like that we each had a fiction and a nonfiction this time. Yeah. It took it took us a good bit longer, but, you know, still pretty, pretty lovely. It's good for balance. It is. Yeah, bit of, like a bit of balance. Um, like I know we're not we're not going to do a big news thing because I don't know it's just too much sometimes some days our time well our times are just always off it just seems silly to refer to current events two yeah, weeks that's after true. the fact that's true because everybody's already heard them but I believe you do have something that is coming up in the future which would you know be relevant yeah find book fairs is doing the philadelphia rare book fair at trinity center for urban life on december 7th through the 9th of this year we are certainly hoping to be in attendance uh if you would like to go as well it seems like it's going to be very cool it's a lot of like old very uh fancy books i don't think we're gonna be able to buy anything there because it seems like it's gonna be very expensive <laughs> expensive but first editions look... they talk a lot, a lot about first editions yeah and they have like ephemera different like stuff from authors from ages past it'll just be neat we just think it'll be a cool little thing to check out so if you're in the area december 7th through the 9th for the philadelphia rare book fair go ahead and check it out yeah we're having another field trip i'm really excited yeah i can't wait you know, take <laughs> pictures and scribble our scribble our faces out with the most terrifying photoshop you've ever seen i showed that to caitlin and she said that looks horrifying uh, Oh. oh, oh, rude. So 
Now that we've done a bit of a reading check-in, we've done a bit of a news item. Bit of a news. I want to talk about what we're doing today for a slightly late Halloweeny time. We're going to do a little toil and trouble around the boil and bubble. We'll throw some things into a pot, and I want to see if we can come up with a recipe for a Halloween story. Whoa! You're throwing that down there. You're getting I'm your cauldron out. There. You're throwing it in the cauldron. Throw it in the cauldron, mate. We have a big spoon. Spaghetti oops. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, I want to talk about, you know, we've talked, obviously we've talked about horror stories before, uh, but this is sort of more in line with our noir uh, section, just in terms of the setting. So I, you know... I thought I would start off um, just as like, you know, something that we need a good base for in the soup. Uh, it has to be Halloween. <laughs> That's <laughs> the mainest point. Oh, is well, we that just failed then. Because that was yesterday. <laughs> oh, I didn't say this is a Halloween story. Oh, okay. We're, yes. So I'm, making, I'm, bo- I'm bottling this mix up for next year. Okay. Yeah. It will ferment. Gross. It will be fermented, potent. scary stories. Uh, I think that's pretty scary. I mean, not for me. I don't really like scary stuff, but, you know, I think it would be. If you had a bottle and you said, oh, this is my year old fermented Halloween recipe. Get your laughing gear around that and come out with a great story. Who wouldn't want that? Imagine. Sorry, if you what's just... laughing gear? Oh, your mouth. But you would drink it. <laughs> Get gear? your laughing gear. Have you never, you've never that heard that? That is so dope. No. You tell you tell me you gear. say. Yeah, it is. You're so right. <laughs> the thing is, is you're so right. It's just every now and then the English sayings are the worst. And not this time. No. So it's got to be Halloween. So into the pot goes 31st of October. Into the Pot goes 31st of October. It's all about the fall, isn't it? You know, the we, the orange leaves, the the dark skies, the chilly atmosphere. You've got to feel the breeze coming uh, down the yeah, road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've it got to catch leaves. those leaves in October. Mm-hmm. But that good Halloween, luck. good luck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've got some, we've got a date bubbling away in our cauldron. Everybody's like, ooh, and all the kids. Like, um, I was out and about yesterday. I was in work, actually, and I saw a bunch of young people all dressed as... um, There was somebody who had a T-shirt with two lines down it and a fork stuck to the side. Do you know what her costume was? No. A fork in the road. (laughs) Nice. That's pretty good. I thought it was pretty good. I mean, you know... So so maybe we add a little bit of costumery or dressing up or I don't know. Ah. Theater. That that seems incredibly vital. Cuz like Go on. Yeah, go on. Well, no, so I suppose you know traditionally um and we talked about this before that um the United States really kind of did Halloween like uh, and oh, we're not yeah. We're not doing the whole history thing, but, you know, it's celebrated in different countries. There are different things that celebrate at this time of year in different countries. 
But I know um, that Halloween has in my lifetime become more of a thing. One in um, the UK, but also in Asia. Mm. I'm pretty sure it wasn't a big thing, although I didn't really know people in Asia at the time. But I do know now my nephew and niece um, in Indonesia they love to dress up and do things for oh. Halloween. So it is a, a, you know, a worldwide phenomenon. But America, I think, sort of, America started that big pot of Halloween. And one of their big ingredients, I guess, was um, costumes. George, do you remember any of your favorites? Of my costumes? Um, I won a competition once as a robot. You did. As because we used a laundry basket for the top of my head, it was very good. Oh, and that one for the art yeah, for project. Sam, some club thing. Well, I there was remember. a couple. I I remember you being. I was always winning prizes. Yeah. Oh Just yeah, so yeah. You're such a winner. A child. Winner, Genius. winner. George yeah. is having dinner. No, to be honest, I always it was, I I always wanted to make my own costume but i didn't really just like didn't really have any that i felt really connected to if that makes sense like do you remember that costume your sister put you in to look like a fly where you had like those baskets around your eyes oh yeah yeah that wasn't even for halloween she no. was just making art that was just my childhood <laughs> hey becky if you're listening to this one fuck you dog <laughs> I mean, look pretty good. Anyway, yeah, yeah, okay. it was no, it was good art. I'll give her that. Um, so costumes, 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 I think, are a huge part of it, and also like what a great piece. That's, I mean, disguises are like garlic in your in your soup. You know what I mean? That's that's you. Spices you get a lot up. of mileage. Yeah, yeah. Not I mean, only are I think most Halloween stories are scary stories. They, you know, they have like a a, di a different air about them that we will obviously discuss as we move through these ingredients. But I, you know, the ability to hide in plain sight, the mm. ability to fill your setting with monsters, that the makes, ability to catch characters unawares. Ooh. That makes for a great Halloween stew, I think, right there. Part of our recipe. Mm -hmm to have in those like hidden characters and people in disguise. I mean, you know, what wouldn't, you know, what about that wouldn't be good in a, a narrative uh, on Halloween or any other time. So, so that's another great ingredient. Good. Calls back to like masquerades makes me think of the Shakespeare stuff, the mistaken identity tales all this time there. <laughs> so funny. I thought you were somebody, but you weren't, you were somebody else. Except in Halloween, it's usually a little tenser than ah! that. Like that. Yeah, yeah, a little bit like that. Yeah, yeah. So, All right, what else we got? So you've just added in costumes. I've done the setting. I think, you know, just even by dint of using a cauldron to mix this, I do want to call out witches. <gasps> I think. You know, so. Yeah, what? Well, so when I was growing up, Halloween wasn't such a big deal. But the only, I do remember one thing. I was probably about 10 years old, maybe 11. And um, I was in the brownies. And uh, the brownies had a Halloween thing. 
in the scout hall at the top of the village. And um, <coughs> obviously it was just all girls and the brown owl and snowy owl. They were grown women as well. And we had to dress up in costume. And I dressed up as a witch. And my whole face, Granny had made my face in with all this green makeup. So it's really terrifying. Terrifying. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, the costume would have been fine, but no, your face has to be green. And um, and that's what I remember. And it, and it was a little terrifying, really. It was quite Yeah, scary. and it's never, for some reason, it's never like the kind of green that a person can look. Because you can look at people and say, you look a bit green, mate. They have to go primary green. You well, are yeah, a almost frog like, woman. Yeah, yeah, I kind of, yeah. Uh, it's funny the things you remember from childhood, and that is a, a Halloween tale that I remember. <laughs> But I think witches are a big part of, I mean, not only are they a big part of horror, you know, I think Halloween, the connection to All Hallows' Eve, like, there's very much, you, you're casting a spell, you're doing a ritual, and you need someone to be operating that. Oh, but yeah. on top of the 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 american setting also brings more stuff into it you know they have they're big problems with witches and here <laughs> is a cultural celebration <laughs> where we're where we're hyping them up just the way you said they have a big problem with witches i was like yeah you can't walk out the front door without tripping over a bloody witch <laughs> Got witches everywhere everywhere Bloody hell. Before I could go, before I could take my car out, I've got to brush all the witches Brush all off the witches out of the way. On. It's like the lantern flies of their day. Okay, but that's actually a problem. Don't well, forget, yeah, kill lantern flies when you see them. Oh, I've got some pictures. <laughs> now we're in ecological yeah, podcast as well. Okay. Um, we continue to say don't take our, any of our opinions, and then we just keep giving keep our opinions. Keep giving our opinions, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what am I? All right, we got witches. We've got got the time of the year. We've got the Halloween setting. So all those things, and along with the Halloween setting, so uh, you said that, and I think particularly um, in the USA, and I I don't actually know this for a fact. I don't know where they grow, but like pumpkins. you got to have a pumpkin. Yeah, that is actually very true. You know, is that... Is that an American thing? Where are pumpkins? No, like... they do it in the UK too, but that's the only time you will see a pumpkin in the UK. People don't use them as like a squash vegetable or anything. I don't think. Mm. I could be wrong. Um, I always put that proviso in there. Not very likely, but it's a possibility. <laughs> so yeah. Unlikely that I'm wrong, you know. So in our stew, we put a pumpkin, you know, a pumpkin head. you got like, you know, Ichabar Crane with his pumpkin head of the. Uh, hey, there's a that's a perfect Halloween story, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, by Washington Irving. Oh, not Irving. I've been Washington. to his house. No. <laughs> well, it I'm could so be either way. They're North American. They're they're originally uh, the earliest evidence of pumpkins was found in Mexico. Oh, interesting. So, so it is a North American thing. That's very interesting that like it, you know, that's maybe that's part of why 
it like latched into Halloween so much is because like in the fall it is jarring to see these like bright orange gourds. And they found a use for them. I mean, like, because when you've taken all the flesh out of them, I mean, I don't remember. Do you remember? On, put them on someone's head. Put them on somebody's head, yeah. Make eye holes. Yeah, yeah. It could be part fill, of your costume. Fill it up. Put it on your Light head. it on fire and throw it at a choking, nerdy but... school teacher. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, so okay, so Legend of Sleepy Hollow had a pumpkin. It was definitely <laughs> in that fally environment, sort of autumnal uh, setting to it. Um, I don't remember if there were any witches in that. I don't think so. I think there were some women for sure, so they could have been witches. Who knows? Most women, you know, at one time or another, probably oh, yeah. branded witches. Because um, we're talking about like the early nineteenth century, I think there for that book. So I mean, I feel like witch timeless. hunts in America are sort of timeless. You know, one of those things that never really gets old. I get you. I get you. Um, so we got pumpkins in there now. I mean, and who doesn't That's love a pumpkin good. stew That's for That's pretty good. That's delicious. Yeah. Do you remember that, I used to make that pumpkin adding... in the... I used to make a stew in a pumpkin. Do you remember that? No. No, it sounds delicious, though. I would love to do it now. Let's, yeah, do, that. Let's do that for uh, Thanksgiving, baby. Hmm. Yeah. I wanted to bring up one more thing that I think is really key for Halloween stories. And it's sort of... It's similar to the setting a little bit but i'm i'm just going to pick the night like halloween stories can take place over the course of a whole day but you don't see like the big action of a halloween story on halloween morning you know what uh, i mean ah yeah yeah you have to descend into the dark into the so shadows we're talking of the mystery october 31st after it's gone dark after sundown, yeah, right? yeah, four four thirty five p.m. on the thirty first only. Yeah, only till midnight. We're... I mean, really, I'm because in the legend of Sleep, no, surely till night, daybreak. Till daybreak, yeah. Okay, I give you that. I give you that. I mean, if I was up to some Halloween mischief, like a little stinker, magic, yeah. <laughs> you. Li- you little cheeky trickster, you, George, on Halloween night. <laughs> Throwing toilet paper onto houses. Well, so that's a very sorts. American thing. I mean, because in the UK, those kind of behaviours would just happen at any time during the year. <laughs> Knock and run, you know. Yeah, you could not. You couldn't tamp down all the mischief in England to one night. The kids no, are like, no. They get bored. I mean, yeah. It's... I, I think like both. It's sides. April. I'm down after gin shop. Yeah. <laughs> um, and just as a you know, quick aside before we move on to your next ingredient, I'm not sure what you're thinking about, but of course there's the great pumpkin by Charles M. Schwartz, where um, Linus is of course waiting for the appearance of <laughs> the great pumpkin, which I actually love as a story because bearing all those ingredients in mind, it's got pumpkin. It's night time. <laughs> It's fall, right? Lucy's a witch. Lucy is a witch. Well spotted. I hadn't even thought of that. But um, but also, it's it's a very low-key... You know, because it's Charlie Brown, you know. It's the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown. So, <laughs> I was going to say, I like the way you said Linus as one would, like, refer to, like, a... Like, <laughs> Uh, a classic literature main character like you know in the beginning in the beginning of 
In the beginning of, in the great, beginning pumpkin. of the great Pumpkin, Snoopy is facing his demons. And Linus is like, do you think he'll come tonight? <laughs> the Great Pumpkin. Um, but it, I think it is a really cute way of looking at Halloween. and But still, you know, engaging all of those um, ingredients that we talked about before. So, yay. Go, Charlie Brown. I think... I'm, I'm, Sorry. Yeah, Charlie Brown doesn't have any love for you. Sorry. <laughs> or me, actually. We're both too old to be heard by any of the Charlie Brown characters. Yeah, we're too old. Uh, I think uh, the the stew is getting pretty close to completion, I think. The, bubbly, I, bubbly. I do have one other thing. Bubbly, bubbly. Uh, Go on. I don't... The thing is, I don't want to say that we're going to throw this into a stew uh, because it does sound a little too witchy. Um, but I think actually kids might be a part of Halloween stories. Yeah, like children. (laughs) So what you're saying is we're throwing some kids into the cauldron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put the babies in the oven. I mean, you know what? Just put it out there, George. No, no. (laughs) They're they're on the side. They're like a garnish. You just put them on top of the stew. Well, that's not better, is it? Like a side Um, of fries. No, but as a part Parsley? of the recipe for a story, yeah. the, I think, you know, kids are, whether whether they are, you know, whether because of the way that they are targeted by capitalism and, like, <laughs> you know, the way that we sell Halloween as a thing oh, to children, yeah, yeah, yeah. or, you, you know, whatever $6. it is, $50. or just the fact, <laughs> or, or even just, like, the fact that kids are, mystified you know they get they love to be uh they love to have sort of that veil pulled over their eyes which is very a part of halloween um they are central to the events of any halloween activities so yeah i totally agree with you You definitely need some kids in there and i you know i think one of the things the questionable things about halloween itself and maybe even halloween um stories and narratives uh is when does it stop being okay? What age do they stop? That's always a thing. But the other thing I wanted to say was listening to something on the radio the other day about um, this guy who's written a book. Don't remember his name. Don't remember the book. Um, but his premise was that for no, not because of, you know, increased access to technology, not because of the pandemic, but that there has been a serious decrease in the opportunity of young children to play and Halloween mm-hmm. is a great time to play just mm-hmm. independently without any adult um, interaction or direction or any of that. And how he thinks that, you know, that this is an, isn't a really good thing. And um, and I think that Halloween, you know, would be really a, a supportive time of year if you want your kids just some like free playtime where their imaginations can go pumpkin side up and. They can just <laughs> play with that, you know, whatever they want. I think it would be a great time. I just want to kind of put that out there. I <laughs> pumpkin side up, indeed. Well, I think thank well, you for that. A- every uh, side of a pumpkin's pumpkin, isn't it? So it's a bit stupid. exactly. Yeah. Oh, well, God. you know, there's no, no. a there's a very Excuse clear me. top and bottom. True. Well, because you could the top's say got the it's straw, gone pumpkin right? shaped. Yeah. It's all gone pumpkin shaped over here, yeah, for sure. <laughs> a bit knobbly. I, I think we've got quite a good stew bubbling away there now. I think you know, we've we do. looked at 
the setting for Halloween night itself, how necessary it is for there to be costumes, disguises, how the the presence of witches and yeah. those who cast spells on the little children oh, out I'm in feeling the streets all like, at night. I mean, Halloween was yesterday, but I'm still kind of feeling it just from our conversation. Like, I could just cackle. I, I would cackle, but I think it would be quite horrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't do that to Mike or the listener. No, no, no. I was just going to say, if you had any interest in writing a Halloween story, I think we've given you a pretty good uh, recipe right there. Agreed. And please, if you think of any more ingredients that you add to your Halloween stories, be sure to let us know, either in the comments of our Spotify page or at our email at talesinourtimes at gmail.com. Uh, Mum, do you have anything else you want to shout out before we wrap up the episode? I was just going to say, do you want to mention that one other book that we list, we talked about that we don't really know anything about? You're not going to going to put it in no, the notes because we don't know we don't know anything about it. Okay, so, so there was I, another book that just... was based around Halloween, but it'll be a surprise if you look at our stuff. <laughs> maybe <laughs> it'll be in the notes, even though we aren't going to speak its name. Yeah, because we don't know anything about it. It's just a book. We, we don't know anything across. about it, you know? And we don't we do not do that on this show. <laughs> um, anyway, thank you happy, so much. Late happy Halloween, I guess. Late happy Halloween and a happy rest of your spooky season to you. Stay warm, stay cozy, and stay reading. Stay reading. I like that. Good night. Goodbye, farewell. Till next time.